0: So when the Holy Spirit came, it would begin in Jerusalem, spread from there to Judea. A very specific progression from there to the ends of the world. In other words, there would be an epicenter, not unlike the epicenter of an earthquake where something happens. And it would spread out in concentric circles from there until it reached the whole world. Picture a boy taking a rock and throwing it into a small form pond. At the point of impact, ripples began to spread out. This was literally the impact the gospel was supposed to have. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, all with one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Notice verse 2. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, one set upon each of them. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Point of observation, before the 120 got filled, the room got filled first. That may seem like an insignificant point, but it isn't. The room got filled first. If we were speaking of the weather, we would say that humidity reached the saturation level. 100%. Where the clouds could no longer hold the moisture and precipitation occurred. That's what happened in the upper room. It reached, as it were, critical mass. Then we go on to read in Acts 13, verses 46 through 47. This remarkable verse, Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said to the Jewish people that it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Notice it was necessary that it comes to the Jews first. Okay, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. Extraordinary verse, pivotal verse in your Bible. Paul announced he was turning away from the Jewish people because as a community they had hardened their hearts toward God. He was instead going to minister to the Gentiles, which was a different community. In that day, there were two categories of people, either Jew, the chosen ones, God's people. Are the Gentiles. God's people said, we're not interested. And Paul said, I've preached to you. You don't want it. I'm getting invitations from all of these Gentiles to preach. They do want it. I'm turning to them. Now, his authority and the message that he preached were recognized more by strangers than it were those who were supposed to have recognized it. Because of this, the great apostle becomes at this point, and from this day forward, he becomes known as our apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles. This is where God redirects the focus of his spirit from his attention being placed upon the Jews to the rest of the world. And all I've got to say is, hallelujah, thank God it happened. Because unless your name is Rubenstein or something like that, Cohen, unless you have Jewish blood, You and I were left out up until this point right here. Paul explains that in Romans. So, as I watch all of this happen, I see that things can happen within one community that don't happen in another. Whoa. That is pretty extraordinary. That one place can reach within a city saturation level that causes everything within that geographic area to be filled with the holy spirit while just outside the boundary of that upper room no one's receiving the holy spirit but it then it begins to flow over it seems to me that there is even though these verses seem unrelated that there's a truth that is being spoken here and that is is that the impact of the spirit doesn't reach regions first, it reaches communities first. Small areas spreads out like those concentric circles from there and reaches the larger region. Now, why is this important? What is authority over communities and what is authority over regions? How do they differ one from the other? And what does all of this mean to believers today? Last week, I talked to you about authority to change your season right here. But that doesn't change anything right next to where you are. doesn't even change your community. It changes you only. God's never been interested in just blessing a few people and letting the rest of the world slide off into darkness and be lost. He does bless you and he will change your season, but he's doing it for a reason. That even though you might not understand this, is even bigger than you are alone. Amen. Authority over communities can mean several things. Let me take the time to build my case here. As with Paul, turning to the Gentiles, a community can mean a particular ethnicity. That was certainly the case in your Bible. And you would almost say, God, wait a minute. In this day, whenever you don't want to do one thing for one ethnicity that is not done for everybody, that almost looks politically incorrect until you go back and read where Paul said it was necessary that the gospel first, first come to the Jews. They did have their chance. They rejected it, and other people who had not had a chance became hungry. God is the great balancer of his own books, and he is always infinitely and ultimately fair. Everybody will get a chance and God knocks at every person's heart, every person's door. But there are within cities, within nations, particular communities. I love, for example, to go to different places here in Houston. I mean, we have, we have Chinatown. You have Koreatown. You've got different communities right here within the city of Houston. And one reason I enjoy that is I love all types of food. <laughs> I know I, like, I talk a lot about gumbo, but I can get down with a number of things. Amen. One thing for sure, no matter where I've ever been, I've never lost weight. <laughs> Unless I was trying, and even then it was hard. Amen. I enjoy preaching in New York, and when I do, I love to go to little Chinatown there. I enjoy going to little Italy in New York, eating genuine Italian food. That's fun for me. Amen. Different communities can exist within the same city, but they can also even exist within the same neighborhood. Amen. A community can be a group of people comprised of those from the same socioeconomic strata. A community can be those from the, that embrace the same vocation, pursue the same vocation. A community can be made up of those of the same age, demographic, same gender, same culture, even the same sports interest. Amen. Our community can be geographical. Houston, for example, is a region. We're one of the largest cities in America in terms of our geography and the third largest in terms of population. 115 miles from one side of the city now to the other. That's big. New York is nowhere near as big as that in terms of landmass. Neither is L.A. So, we occupy a region, but within this, though we are all Houstonians who are here today, most of us are from the community of eastern Houston, be that Pasadena, Summerwood, Humble, wherever you may be from, Baytown, the eastern community of Houston. Every one of us in here, in fact, belong to a number of communities, whether we realize it or not, and... We identify with some of those communities more than we do others. For example, I belong to the Christian community that lives in Houston, the larger Christian community because I'm a believer, but that is made up of all kinds of religious beliefs, liturgical and more participatory types of worship, such as the spirit field, of those made up of liturgical worship where you go and watch the worship take place or you participate like you did a while ago when they were singing with hands raised and so forth. I identify more with that community made up of the spirit-filled believers than I do the liturgical. I'm more one that wants to get involved in worship than, than let people worship for me. And I don't mean that unfairly. If, that, if that's a, a, an unfair characterization, please don't hold me to that. I'm just citing my experience when I was growing up in a liturgical church. Amen. Amen. Father, I'm also a part of another community of Houston, actually quite a large community that are called Cajuns. <laughs> there are a lot of us over here, amen. I was met at the door this morning by one of our members who is, uh, you don't call them full blood, you call them full bleed, amen, amen. And Cajuns trace their ancestry back to the melting pot of cultures among, found among the bayous of Louisiana, before that to Nova Scotia, before that to France, They actually are a melting pot of every culture, including the Spanish, the runaway slave, uh, the American Indian, you know, all of that. Even Italians, all that's a little bit thrown in there, kind of like that mambo jump number five, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. So we identify, no matter where you put us, we hit the ground, we're right at home, amen. I also belong to a community of people who are somewhat north of their their middle adult years not much mind you but just a little bit north some of you are smiling uncomfortably because you're in that same community i further belong to a community of sports enthusiasts in houston who are recreational divers i've been diving for 35 40 years gee i don't even remember i remember how long 35 at least Within that community, I belong to a smaller community of people who are underwater photographers. I love underwater photography, love doing it. The big boys, the whales, the sharks, that, that's what I really enjoy doing, to relax. And I know people say, how can you swim with those sharks? I say, it's no problem, I deal with saints every day, amen. Amen. I, Father, am a member of that vocational community that are full-time in ministry and earn their livelihood in ministry. We're all ministers, every one of us are. We all work for God. It's just I make my living doing this. Within that community, I am a part of that group of those who earn their livelihood in ministry called pastors as opposed to those that are teachers or evangelists. Each community that I have pointed out is different in some way. And just like my experiences as a diver and an underwater photographer would be different from someone who's a soccer player. Depending upon which community you belong to, your experiences in life are different and therefore it does affect and frame your perspective of life. One of the sad things that happens as a result of that, if you're part of the liturgical community or part of the participatory worship community, no matter which part... Of a community you are in the point that it differs from another it differs for this reason your experiences within that community are different and they do frame your worldview if you are not careful that makes you not have as much respect for communities that are different than yours and that can be a very tragic thing America for example has often been accused of being lacking in compassion, that's right, to the rest of the world. We are often perceived as being arrogant. I think that's very unjust and unfair. Americans to this day still give much more to charitable causes and world outreach endeavors, I'm talking about feeding the poor, making change, than most of the rest of the nations do put together. And most of the citizens of the rest of the world do put together. But people seem to have fun throwing stones at us. Okay, my little Spanish joke. Y'all don't be upset, okay? Because like I said, I got a little Spanish thrown in there somewhere too, being a Cajun. People in the U.S. get a bad rap. But it's kind of like this visitor from Latin America who came to the U.S. to visit. He found out that his favorite soccer team was also here in the U.S. at the same time and was going to be coming to play in the city that he was visiting relatives in. So he went to the stadium, but unfortunately, he got there late. Every ticket was sold out. He was in despair. I want to see my team play in America. And he saw a pole standing up. His name was Jose. So he climbed that pole, got comfortable, and no sooner did he get comfortable to where he could watch the game Then everybody stood and sang the Pledge of Allegiance so the game could get started. After the game was over, his buddies asked him how the game went, and he replied, I don't know why y'all think Americans are not nice to Latin Americans. As soon as I climbed that pole and got situated, everyone turned around, looked at me, and started singing. Jose, can you see? we're nice. We're concerned. Can you see? Amen. But our experiences often make us less than sympathetic with one another. Communities can become isolated. They can come into their season at a different time than it does another community. The Old Testament, God spoke about what he called the scattered rain. It will rain on this place and right next door it won't. And on this one, but right over here, it won't. Scattered rain, seasons differing within different communities. I one time spoke at a meeting in California. This was during the 80s. And there had been a large influx of Asian immigrants into America, and many of them had come into Asia. And I was speaking at an Asian conference, and there were seven different Asian communities represented there, at least seven, maybe more, but they had seven translators. They did not have wireless headsets where I, I could speak and someone would do the translation simultaneously. No. Oh, no. There were Vietnamese, there were Hmong, there were Cambodian, there were Thai, there were Laotians, there were all many different, seven different language groups there and none of them could speak English except for a few people that were serving as translators. They couldn't even speak one another's languages. So I had to say something, and then this one would translate, and I would just stand and wait till he got through. Then this one would translate when he got through. Then this one. It took me, it seemed like, ten minutes just to say, hello, how are you all doing today? <laughs> I was in the middle of that message when I remember the Vietnamese translator turned to me, tears streaming down his face. God was dealing with him while I was preaching. The other six translators, not so much. He begged me. He said, please, sir, can I speak to my people for a few minutes and help them understand what you're preaching? And I said, sure. And I stopped and stood there while he spent 10 minutes talking in Vietnamese to those who were in that service that night in that conference. And I watched within the Asian community, that was there in that conference, comprised of at least seven different nationalities. I watched one community become so electrified that when he got through, I mean, it was like electricity snapping in the air, crackling, people were weeping. He turned to me and said, sir, we're ready to pray. And I gave the altar call and every single Vietnamese in that place got up and came and was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every single one. And yes, there were a few Thai and a few Cambodian and Laotians and some others. But his community, every single one of them. Don't ask me why it happened in his community. And not to the same degree the others. All I know is this upper room thing. The house got full. Everything within that particular container got full too. Everything within the Vietnamese container got completely saturated. That's not the first time that I've seen, or the only time I've seen it happen. It was the first time. After that breakthrough that night, I wondered what was going on. It was only after that experience that I looked again at Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and for the first time understood what it meant when it said, first the house was filled, verse 2, and then two verses later the people were filled. It reached critical mass and a saturation point within that family of believers, that community. I've seen that happen in families as well, and so have you. One person gets saved, something goes on within that family. The whole family experiences a conversion. People in the house next door don't. People across the street don't. What is it that gets a hold of one family? I read to you last week, to everything, there is a season. Now, why is it important that we change communities? It's because we oftentimes want to jump right over communities into changing regions. We want to change the world, and that's never been God's plan. God changes communities, and from there it spills over into regions. And so, what's happening in America quite frankly, is that we are in serious trouble. We're in trouble economically. We're in trouble in terms of our scientific leadership. We're in trouble even in terms of our political leadership, not identifying certain political figures. What I mean by that is people used to follow America, now they don't. People speak disparagingly about us. We've lost influence over the last couple of decades. It's been dramatic what is going on in our world. Not only are we losing in that regard as well, we're losing ground educationally in America. Our young people do not have the same privileges and hopes for tomorrow that you and I, some of us, were given. We're also losing ground in terms of understanding each other. If the one thing that this whole Trayvon Morton, George Zimmerman thing has pointed out, it's that America needs to have a revival. I wish somebody would say amen. We have reached the point that we have started following rather than leading. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get back on it again. Forgive me. But I'm going to reference that Pastors of L.A. thing that's coming out again. I watched the trailer. Anybody seen the trailer on that yet? You can see it on YouTube. You can pull it up. You can Google it. They say, but Jay-Z drives his, his Rolls Royce. You know, why can't we? Wait a minute. When did we start following Jay-Z? They're supposed to be following us. When did money become our God instead of Jesus Christ? When did success become determined by how many people knew your name? Uh Uh-uh. I'm not playing to that crowd. I'm playing to a higher audience of one. you hear what I'm talking about. We're in trouble. And the reason we're in trouble is within the Christian community, we've jumped right over saturating our community. And then the next community, we've, we've gotten all wrapped up in reaching the world, whatever that means, and let everything at home go to hell in a handbasket. We have got to understand the things that I'm talking about if we are going to see fundamental change. Can somebody in the building say amen? amen? This was not the only time that I have known of these kind of things happening that I just described when I was in that meeting and that conference in California and saw one community get touched. When community gets, communities get touched, they then have worldwide impact. On my grandfather's side, you've heard me say it before, my dad, his father, that is, not my mother's side, that's where the Cajuns came in. American Indians on my, my dad's mother and his father, my granddad, Norwegian, Scandinavian. That's Viking. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that side of my family. There are probably a number of you that have Scandinavian blood in this building, and um, just let me tell you, They were not the most pleasant people in town. The word berserk was actually coined to describe how they fought. They would get these broad-bladed swords and double-headed axes, and they would go berserk, and they literally called them the berserkers, Vikings. They killed, Ah, they would get into the middle of a battle, swinging those slicing people. I mean, you know what they'd do? They'd cut off the heads of their victims. And then they would scrape the flesh out of it, the, the brains out of the skull. And then they would pour wine in it. And they would offer it as an offering to Odin, their god, and drink it. And this is what they would say, "Skull." Never let anybody toast you saying skull. Because what that really means is skull. They were offering their liquor to to their their idol god, their pagan god. These, These people, they were bad. I took my grandson some years ago with me on some free mileage I had, and we went to Oslo, Norway, toured a little bit of Norway into Sweden because I wanted him to see this part of the family came from i had free mileage and we came to the place where the gospel was first preached in norway and it was at this point that the savagery and the barbarism of that side of my ancestral family tree came to a screeching halt when somebody brought the message of jesus christ to these pagan people They had a religious encounter that swept through their community and turned them around. And today, you know who the symbol or what the symbol of peace-loving nations is. It's the Scandinavian countries. I have been in the church where they award the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo, Norway. From barbarism and drinking wine dedicated to pagan gods from the skulls of their victims... Nobel Peace Prizes and peacekeeping forces. Pretty dramatic. It's true that now they've lost touch with that God core and they're drifting the wrong way. But what happened to turn them around was a community got touched by God. And when that community got touched it spilled over into the regions and began to sweep that entire part of Europe. I visited other places where this happened. Have Anybody here ever watch rugby? Y'all know what rugby is? Yeah, some of y'all know. Boy, that, 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 that's football with a difference right there. They don't use helmets. They don't use shoulder pads. Oh, my God. They get these big, massive Pacific Islanders. They're huge. Their legs are like oak tree trunks. I'm serious. These guys are they're massive Maori Islanders. My team is the New Zealand Blacks, All Blacks. It's, what it's called the All Blacks. They have people of different races there, but a lot of them are Maori Islanders, Pacific Islanders. These boys are bad. When they start the game, they do what they call the haka. They go haka. Oh, That's what they do at the start of every game. It's i I'm serious. They were, they're intimidating the other team. The other team says, I'm going home right now. <laughs> so. You know where all that comes from? Before the gospel came, those people were cannibals. And then one day a boat landed, and they killed the first missionaries and ate them. but it got a hold of them. And I went to preach in Fiji. And this is how they used to wa- launch their war canoes. They're trees there, it's a tropical island, a series of them. And these towering trees in the rainforest, they cut them down, the ones near the beach. They cut the branches off, they hollow them out, and they shape their war canoes out of these things. They're too heavy to pick up and carry to the water. So you know what they would do? They would save their prisoners captured in war and when they finished the canoe they would lay them down on the beach in a line stretching from the canoe into the water and push the canoe across them and the weight of the canoe would pop open the bodies, they would burst open and the lubrication to get the canoe across the beach into the water was the blood of their victims. That is bu- 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 bad. These people were vicious. When I was there, we went into a secular restaurant. A number of them, every single restaurant we went in, they were playing gospel songs. You'd go through the island and people would be singing, Amazing Grace. Lord have mercy. How did they get transformed from that to this? I'll tell you how. Within a community, somebody had an encounter with God and something spilled over and touched others in that community. Even to this day in Europe that is so bleak and dark in terms of a move of God, they still feel football stadiums the first Friday night of every month. But it's not the anglos the uh, original europeans you know who it is it's caribbean islanders and it's africans that now live in europe it hasn't spilled out of their community yet but you don't even reach the world until you start have something going on within your local community and what i'm here today preaching is simply this that we have to refocus on what's lying right, right here at our own doorstep we have problems at home no we're never going to give up reaching the world but I want you to know that you have authority to change the community that you are a part of now as I've already explained what does that mean it means you have the authority to change the community that you are in rather than your vocational group hello Rather, that's the neighborhood you live in. I'm not just talking about your ethnic group. It may be your socioeconomic strata. You were put there by God, planted there by God. Do you ever wonder why you became what you became when you grew up? It's because God needed somebody to represent him in that particular industry. Amen. Oh, yeah. I'm preaching right now. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You see, God made us to be agents of change. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. 14, you are the light of the world. 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others. Who? Look, look at that now. Let your light so shine before God? No. Let your light so shine before others. Others. I need somebody to say the word others. Come on, say it. Look at somebody and say it's about others. Would you do that? Others that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. They will never give him glory till they see him in you. We have authority to change this mess we're in right now. We act like we don't have any authority to change anything. we got to just accept it. Accept the Dow Jones. Accept the economy. Accept what's happening between ethnic groups. Accept this. Accept that. Accept political correctness. Accept all of this other stuff. We don't have to accept any of that. We are the agents of change. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. (laughs) Father, Jesus goes on to say... In Luke number 13, verses 20 through 21, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into 60 pounds of flour. She put it in the middle, mixed it in. It spread, Jesus said, throughout all the dough. You can't keep this gospel from working if you will just put it in contact with what's going on around you. It will affect it you say i'm afraid it won't work it's not your concern to be worried about whether it works or not it's your concern to bring it in contact with those who need it hello let god be god let him sort it all out let him be responsible for what works and doesn't work let's just us do our part we've got to reach regions authority over regions is different than authority over communities. This is where we are, and I'm about done. You remember whenever Jesus cast the demonic spirits out of the man, he told the man in Luke 8 and 39, when the man wanted to go with Jesus on his his tour in the evangelistic ministry, Jesus said, no. Boy, that would not be what most evangelists would say, let me tell you. You get a man out of whom a legion of demons are are cast out. You're going to send it out in your email. Come tonight, 730. You don't want to miss it. Brother so-and-so is going to be giving his testimony. This is the man that was the famous demoniac of Gadara until I came, the man of power for the hour, and cast him out. Oh, Lord. Bring your offering with you. That's what most evangelists would say. Not Jesus. Jesus said to the man when he wanted to join his entourage, he said, you go home. Oh, boy, that that doesn't work too well. You go home? Wait, but I can be with you on the platform. I can build your crowd. I can, you know, sometimes it takes more than a crowd. Sometimes a crowd doesn't change anything. Sometimes you need God. God knows how to change things. Oh, I'm preaching right now. It's not how many are on your side. It's whose side are you on? If the Lord be for me, who can be against me? Jesus sent the man home. Luke 8 and 39, very next verse. Now when Jesus returned, A crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting to see him. Wait a minute. I thought you just said that the crowd chased Jesus away, made him leave. Didn't you teach that a few Sundays ago when he cast the demons out? The people came, saw the man sitting clothed in his right mind, said, Jesus, leave. They did until this man went home. And when he told everybody what happened, when Jesus returned... They said, we want to see this. (laughs) And this is what it says in Luke 8 and 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. The same ones that told him to leave. You get this? After a man went back to his community, the same ones that said, we don't want you here. When they heard Jesus was coming, there were so many of them that came out. They almost crushed Jesus. This is how you change a community. Jesus by himself wasn't able to do it. And I need you to understand that God by himself will not save this world. What he needs is somebody to go home and take authority in their community. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching right now. Somebody help me. And when you do, that's when revival comes. And when it comes, guess what happens? You can't keep it closed in. Because it will just build up until it reaches critical mass. Like it did in the upper room. It's going to spill over the walls. Everything in the upper room got filled. And then it spilled over the walls. And 3,000 more got filled. And then 5,000. And it goes on and on. Until this is what the scripture says. That their enemies accused them of filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. Their enemies said that about them. This little group that started with 12 people, they said, you fill Jerusalem with your doctrine. You know why? Jesus sent them back home to their community. And from their community, Jerusalem, they reached out into the next community, which was Samaria. And from Samaria, it reached the uttermost parts of the world, including Houston, Texas. And that's how you reached the world. You don't get authority over regions until you have authority over your own community. I remember Peter Wagner telling that story years ago when he pre- was preaching here many years ago. He told a story about great, incredible revival in Argentina. And Last night we had uh, Sergio uh, Scaglatini, if I'm saying his name right. He's from Argentina. Been greatly touched by God. He was here in the services last evening, Spanish service on Friday night. We're going to bring him back very soon. Hope to on a Sunday night. Great, Greatly touched of God. I mean revival broke out in Argentina. In the old days, a big church was 25. Most churches ran 10 or so in Argentina. Until there was a breakthrough. And when that breakthrough came, Lord, did it ever happen. Churches exploded to 300,000 in members. I preached in one that had 285,000. They had services seven days a week. Different service every two hours of the day. Closed only every day from two to four for the building to be cleaned. Every two hours, different service. It was unbelievable. Amen. From twenty-five being a big church to three hundred thousand. And there were many churches like that. Many. One of the neighboring countries, and Peter Wagner started out as a as a missionary, he says that they were having an outreach. One side of the street, the boundary of the, of the two countries went right through the street. One side of the street of this city is Argentina. The other side is another country. I can't remember if it was Bolivia or Chile. One of those countries. And he said on the Argentinian side, they were handing out tracts. People were hungrily receiving them because they had broken something in Argentina. They had reached the community. And from there, they impacted the region. People were praying, giving their hearts to God. Other side of the street, the other members of the team were trying to witness. Nobody would receive it. Took the tracks, cursed, threw them down. Wind was blowing. The tracks would even blow across the street and litter the street. And it was a market area. And so people were crossing from one side of the street to the other, just doing their shopping. If you've ever been to a Latin American open-air market, that's quite an experience, colorful, loud. Everything in the world going on, food, smells, noises. People were going from one side of the street to the other. On the side of the street that was Argentina, people were hungry for God. The other side, not interested. Same people who cursed and threw the track down when they got on the other side in Argentina, they would actually pick up the track that others had thrown down and read it. Some of them, the very same people who were cursing on the opposite side of the street. And they would turn to the evangelistic team and say, can you help me? I, won't, I need God. Same people the cussing on one side of the street, on the other side, they were in an atmosphere where there was 100% saturation. Here's what I'm saying. Rather than us give up this city, rather than us write off America, rather than us right off the 5th Ward or the 3rd Ward or the 2nd Ward, or write off Channel View or Cloverleaf, rather than us right off Pasadena, rather than us right off the United States of America, why don't we just focus right now on changing the community that we are a part of until we reach saturation level here. And then let it spill over and to the other parts of our our city. Can somebody in the building say amen? Amen. Listen, this can literally happen here. And so what does all of this mean to believers? And I'm closing. It means that you have incredible authority, but you need to use it. What we've done is we've let others have the authority. Others, music stores, rap artists, everybody else influence our community. Wait a minute. We need to. If you wanna know why I'm on a soapbox tear about all of this LA pastor stuff, do I believe that pastors shouldn't be blessed? No, we ought to be blessed. Like everybody else, we're human too. But look, we don't follow those guys. They're supposed to be following us. How are we gonna change the world? I hope you get my point. I really hope you get my point. Because I'm not against sports, I'm not against music, I'm not against any of that. What I am against is the church over here in a corner saying we're nobody and we got to follow everything that looks successful. No, they're supposed to be following us. We're the sons of Almighty God, the daughters of the King of Kings, the Lord of hosts. You are mighty. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are yeast. You change what you come in contact with. If we leave it up to them, the world will be lost. They can't save it. They cannot save it. Are you hearing me? They cannot save it. You and I hold the future of this world. Let's stand up right now and take the authority that we were meant to have as believers. Musicians, come back and help me. I'm closing. Change your world. Change your world. Change your world how by changing the community that you're in until it reaches such a point of saturation that it spills over to the next community and the next four points and i'm having you stand altar workers come and join me right now four things to do quickly number one take the time to discern the communities to which you already belong. You already belong to communities. I'll give you an example. Half of you in this room today belong to a community called men. The other half to a community called women. You belong to a community whether you want to be. I'm not a joiner. You joined whether you wanted to or not. Guess what? Amen. Amen. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Not me. I'm neither one, actually. Seriously, I'm not. I vote for whoever I think is best. I don't care what his label is. Figure out what community you're in and set about trying to change that community. You, You belong to a number of them. Yeah, you do. Number two. Assess where that community stands in relationship to the kingdom of God and the values of heaven Is the community of which I am a part Being what they're supposed to be If they are praise God for it If they're not God put you there to change it Number three Pray for your community to turn to God Rather that your ethnicity Ethnicity or race, whether it's your culture, whether it's the members of your profession or vocation, whether it's your neighborhood, your recreational group, the team, fans, support club you belong to, whatever it may be, whether it's your fishing group, your golf team, you pray for them because you, number four, were put there, put it up there, number four, to be a gatekeeper they do not have the authority to stand at the gate and say, this cannot come in this group. You do. They don't. So don't wait for them to do it. Do not be afraid to raise your voice. Do not be afraid to make your voice heard. Do not be afraid to speak up for Jesus. Hello, somebody. Somebody may make fun of you. Well, they made fun of him too. I'm not asking you to leave your brain at the door whenever you do it either. Talk like you have a good intelligence. Amen. And then if they make fun of you, that's their problem, not yours. But you be a gatekeeper. I want you to come and join me today. Come join me. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Do you know you can take the word that I've preached today and you can transform this side of the city of Houston, Texas? If you will take what I'm saying seriously, we can transform this. city.